good people, this is Christine Jones from Clear Choice Financial Solutions, LLC, and I know it's been a long time, longer than I expected, longer than I wanted, but life. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm still working, I'm still working, but um, had a bit of a scare, you know, we, we, this is what's the score and we're talking about things that happen in life and I must tell you we're back to school virtually and on the very first day of virtual sessions my father passed out about an hour before those sessions with, with professional development uh, began and um, that's a whole piece in and of itself that I am definitely going to share, but let me just say he is at home now. Thank God. Um, definitely better off than what it appeared that he was. And so God is, is faithful always. But dad is back home now, and um, he literally went from passing out twice to sneaking cookies <laughs> out of the kitchen. And um, so, yeah. It's a good thing, and um, we want to keep it that way. Now, into this virtual session business, just in case you didn't realize, I don't believe that teachers, because I'm one, chose virtual sessions because it was easier. As far as I know, we chose it because it's safer. Because let me just tell you, Setting up classes virtually is more difficult than actually going in the building. It's actually more difficult than walking into the building each morning, getting your board ready, uh, because sometimes you can even prepare your board the night before. Um, you know, using your textbooks, other manipulatives, or whatever it is that you're using, Everything now has to be set up online and you have to make sure that the students have access to it and you're trying to make sure that um, you, know, you can tell who's on the other side of that camera which may be turned off. Um, it's, don't get me wrong, I like elements of it, but there are definitely some pieces of virtual learning that really need to be tightened up and I think I am still a bit traumatized. I, I may as well, may as well admit it. Um, the first session, the first day, I should say, the last session of the day, when students uh, were in our midst, people began hacking our virtual sessions. Young people, but people who did not go to the school. And so I later found out that this happened all over the district. A few days later, I not only found out that this happened all over the district, but I also found out that in some cases, people hacked sessions and displayed guns. Now, I recognize that the school district is not responsible for what goes on in someone else's home. My issue is the fact that so much has gone on that, in my estimation, the district was responsible for that was just blown off, okay? 
You know, I, I recognize that suspension may not always be the answer, but there should be something, some bridge between suspension and nothing, right? Because oftentimes these children are getting off scot-free for things that would get them locked up in the real world. And then that brings us to what we're talking about all throughout the nation, this idea of justice for all. But we also, as a community, have to take responsibility for how some of us are acting. Not all of us are acting out, but some of us are clearly making it bad for the rest of us. When, when you have an opportunity to see what goes on sometimes in the buildings and then see what goes on in these virtual sessions sometimes. It really makes you wonder. It's very frustrating. It's very frustrating to, on the one hand, be committed to fighting for the rights that we deserve and then on the other hand, looking over and saying, wait a minute, would you get yourself together? Like this is not, this is not even <laughs> normal behavior. Um, you know, and, and quite frankly, I, I understand that we have a lot of mental health issues, but some of these issues are just no one instilled any morals or manners in some of these individuals. And you had better believe that these are the individuals who are getting the attention as far as the eyes of people who want to refer to all of us in a certain light. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, it takes a lot to shake me because I'm on high alert almost all day, every day. And, and I've been that way for, for years. Um, I was thinking the other day, I really don't recall a time in my life when something wasn't going on. Um, and I know I keep saying, um, excuse me, <laughs> but from my earliest time in school, and, and, and my parents paid tuition for me to go to a private school, a school run by our church. And, and I remember until I stepped foot in that school, I had always been with my parents, my mom especially, because my dad worked. And my mom, you know, was allowed to, and when I say allowed to, it was a decision that she and my father came to. Uh, but what I mean by allowed to, the circumstances were such that she could stay home and not create a financial distressful situation. Um, not really a good word, but you understand what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm so tired, you all. I'm just making up words. Um, but what, what I remember is the first day of kindergarten, because I was leaving my mom for the first time in my life. I mean, we did everything together. To be honest with you, we still kind of do. Um, but I remember this kindergarten teacher who everyone in the church thought so highly of 
you know, and, and even when I got older, I didn't, it wasn't like I held a grudge, but I still remember. But I, I, I remember vividly when I was crying because as a new kindergartner, leaving mom for the first time, not being able to see her in my day and, and having to go with strangers, you know, I, I cried. Was I hollering and screaming and carrying on and falling out? No, but I was crying. And I remember the teacher looking at me and looking at my mother and saying, well, I know one thing, if she doesn't stop that crying, she's going to get a spanking. And that was my very first recollection of school. And I wish I could say it got better from there. It, it, it did not. It did not. There were a lot of things that went on in that school. And to this day, I do ask my parents, why did you spend money for me to be abused? And that's basically what I would call it. I won't go into detail right now about everything that happened in that particular setting. But at some point I will because, you know, for my money, so to speak, <laughs> they could have put that money aside that was used for tuition. And that could have been used for some other purpose. And just let me go on to public school now. This being said, if public school back then was like what I see now, um, I might have to rethink my position because we're fighting some demons in, in these public schools, literally. Uh, I, I remember as a teacher even, coming across a student who, if he did not like you, could somehow spit blood on command. And he would do that in the doorways of some of the teachers whom he did not like. For whatever reason, he liked me. So sometimes he would actually act out in other classes so that he could get sent to my room. And, you know, I always allowed him in, but it was really a, a struggle. And Sometimes even people will say, oh, yeah, you know, we, we know what you're dealing with up there. Are you, are you praying for me? Are you doing that? Because if you know that I'm dealing with all of these different entities, then you need to pray for me. And I distinctly recall this young person having a situation where he would hear things. He would clearly hear someone calling his mother out of her name. And in his young mind, he did not process that he was actually hearing voices that were not in the room. And so his first thought was, you're not going to talk about my mother like that. And he thought it had to be someone who was right there with him. So he would just punch whoever was closest to him. And I recall one particular day where he was having an especially rough time and he he exhibited what I would call manifesting um, some type of possession 
okay? And eyes began to roll back. He began to grunt and, and growl. And um, I was teaching a social studies letter, lesson. And I had to actually break from really what protocol is in order to service him and in order to service the rest of the, of the students. And I had to literally place my hands on his shoulders to attempt to calm him down. And that did a bit. And I was able to go on with the lesson and he was able to get himself together. But now when I tell you that if he didn't like someone else, he would spit blood in their door. I've seen it. I've seen the blood that he would spit in the doorway. So, you know, I I don't know whether he was biting the inside of his cheek or something like that and, and, and doing, doing it. I, I really don't know. But I do know that that was his sign that he didn't like you. And at the end of the year, he was in a particularly rough class anyway. And they had given me this class. This class was known for sort of running around the hallways and they decided that I should take them. And I did. And, and when the district came in, I remember the principal saying, um, do you remember such and such a class? And she was like, yeah. And, um, the, the district representative. And my principal was like, well, this is them. She was like, no, no, it, this cannot be. This cannot be. Those children were running all around the hallway. And the principal was like, yeah, they're not now. And then when the lady looked at the faces, she recognized the faces. She was like, I, I can't, I cannot believe this. But at the end of the year, they had done so well that I threw a big um, party for them. And I mean, we had everything. We had everything. And the kids even, they ate as much as they wanted in the classroom. And then I had it to where they could take doggy bags, so to speak, home. I hate that term, but that's what you call them. And they could take, you know, leftovers or whatever they wanted home to as many people as they wanted. Just just take the food, you know what I mean? Take the sodas, take the chips. If there's, you know, cheese steaks, if there's pizza, if there's chicken wings, whatever you want, take it home. And I remember this little boy who had really, you know, acted out in all of the classrooms and um, who had manifested what appeared to be possession. Because he was so good for me, I allowed him to join the party. And when I tell you he, he sat there as the perfect little gentleman and he ate until he was just so full. And he came back, he said, thank you, Miss Jones. Thank you. And, you know, what could I say? I, I was so glad that he was able to join in, you know. And, and of course, I talked to him about how he has to act in other people's classrooms. But I, I guess I said all that to say I totally understand what my parents were perhaps trying to protect me from. And, and, and I guess I didn't realize back then what the possibilities of public school were. It is something that I cannot even stress to you uh, how, how vile it can be. And yet and still I know it's not like that particularly everywhere. So that brings me to the point of when we instill in our children standards, expectations, you know, morals, when, when, when they know that there is going to be some sort of punishment 
that comes when you are just willfully acting out and you raise them like this, then you sort of mold them into decent individuals. But when you are half wild yourself and then you don't want anyone to say anything to you and you don't want anyone to say anything to your child and then if your child comes in and, and doesn't do what they're supposed to do and you say something to the child, then you're up in the teacher's face and the principal's face and in front of the child and you want to fight and all this. You know, that stuff has to stop. I know we watch all of this, you know, reality TV, but please understand that these people are getting paid and you are just getting upset. <laughs> So we, we have to stop wanting, and please understand what I'm saying by this, we are due the same um, opportunity for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness that everyone else has. But we have to stop saying what we want and then presenting our worst to the world and saying, accept this. That's not even what our ancestors worked so hard for and survived through. Um, if, if, if we could talk to those who uh, suffered through some of these times that we just would probably never even last a second through they would probably tell us that they did not go through that so that we would act like this. There's nothing wrong with being decent. And I'm hoping that in our community, we have not put forth the idea that to act in certain ways is a more other ethnicity Thing. And the reason why I'm saying that is because um, for a long time there's been this idea that if you speak standard English, let's just say it, that you're trying to act white. No. Trying to speak standard English, <laughs> right? Trying to speak standard English, that's it. Fully know who I am and where I come from and all of that. But there is a language that we speak and um, it'd be nice to know how to speak it properly. Especially when they're speaking a certain type of, of language in a, in a certain way. When you go on job interviews, etc. When you go to uh, have dealings with people, even if you own your own business, but when you go to have dealings with people, if you are not able to communicate, you run the risk of not being able to partner up or, or to gain the respect of those who could perhaps catapult you to the next level. And so I said all that to say, there's been a lot going on. Oh my goodness. And so I am definitely... be honest I don't know if I'm okay or not I these past few days have really drained me 
not even so much physically. This is a, an emotional and spiritual drain. And um, <laughs> I found myself just wanting to cry. And it doesn't have anything to do with the pandemic, I guess. I, 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 you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not aware of any feelings like that. I'm, I'm just, it's a lot. It's a lot. And then I'm, I'm, I'm trying to run this business. And I, and I have to say this. And then, I, and then I'm going to go to break. But please, I try to help people. And I do have a soft spot. And sometimes I don't charge people because I am trying to help them. But that's not necessarily good, right? Because I also need to assist in teaching people responsibility. And there is a fine line between helping and um, enabling. So I am going to do better with that because as a financial services company owner, I need to also instill in people, hey, listen, if you want these services, you've got to pay what these services are worth. And if you know that you want it or need it, um, as far as the services that, that, that we are providing, then you have to budget for that. You, you have to make sure that, okay, if, I, if, if, if I need this company to assist me with my, my credit, if I need to work on this or that, then I'm going to have to save up for it. Or, or, and if I can't save outright, then I'm going to have to sacrifice some things that I might have wanted in order to make sure that I have this particular amount. I can't continue to just do you know, business favors. And, and what I mean by that is just not charge people for the services that I provide because that is my time and my energy. And then I'm also, you know, I invest in software and webinars and other kinds of training, et cetera. And I'm always doing something to make sure that I bring the best to clients. So that should be respected as well. And, and, and so I, I need for people to stop sending me people who can't afford things. Now, understand how I'm saying this. Everybody may have a struggle with something that, that I'm not saying anything about that. But a lot of times people will say, well, you know, so-and-so doesn't have a lot of money, so I told him to contact you. And no, I can't do that anymore. Well, so-and-so doesn't like to pay a whole lot, so I told him to contact you. Would you do that to Apple, though? Would you do that to Nike? Right? Would you do that to Liberty Mutual? So I need for people to stop sending me people who don't want to pay. And I'm going to reject that. That doesn't do me any good. That doesn't do the person any good. If you need the services of our company, then you are going to have to come up with a way. And, and, and we can help you with coming up with that way. Don't get me wrong. But you will still have to come up with a way to pay us what we charge. Uh, so, you know, that that's just something that I needed to say because oftentimes, and this is, I, I promise you, I'm going to 
cut to the break, but I have quite a few people who decide when it's holiday time that they're off. Oh, let me contact her and see if she can do this. Now, I'm typically with my family on holidays. Don't get me wrong. I do have business hours on holidays. But business hours, meaning that you are entering in an an agreement. And for the services that we offer, you are providing payment. Not, oh, I'm going to call her and see if I can, if she'll do me this favor. And so since she's probably home today because it's a holiday, I'm going, no, no, no longer am I going to do that. No, because you're not, you are not supporting my business. You are using my business and me. So that stops. This is one thing that 2020 has taught me, stand up for myself like that. And and most people know I will stand up for myself, but this is one little area where I tend to take too much from people. No more. No more. No more. 2020 has freed me of caring like that. I would rather not make a dime, but stand up for myself than not make a dime because people are using me. Okay. Might still be broke as all get out, but it's the principle of the thing. So that, that being said, I I know I talked about a lot of subjects. I went from, you know, my dad and, and being rushed to the emergency room to, my schooling to business, but that's where my mind is. It's been a long time and my mind is racing. So before it races on to another topic, let's go to break. We shall return, Lord willing, in a few moments. We are back, and I promise you, I am not going to hold this segment long, but I think I'm going to give you some information that you may be interested in. Hopefully you are. We get a lot of people who are in the market for buying a home, and it's interesting because a lot of people were in the process of buying homes, and then the pandemic hit. And of course, we know that when the pandemic hit, lots of things changed as far as mortgage lenders. So, for example, whereas, you know, FHA might take a 580, you know, credit score, there are loan providers who offer FHA but then they tacked on their own sort of buffer and set of qualifications that you had to adhere to if you wanted to go through them for the particular loan. So again, even if FHA kept their credit score requirement at 580, you know, A and B loan provider or mortgage provider may have said, That's fine, but we require 100 points more. So we require a 680. And then on top of that, instead of, you know, 3% down or what have you, they may have said, and you still have to have 20% down, which is more like a conventional loan. So it got deep. 
But here's the other thing. If you don't start somewhere and you don't start right now, then you may never qualify for that home. And in, in this fragile time, both politically and financially, you have to make moves while you can because we don't really know what's going to happen from day to day. Unfortunately, we, we have a political situation that is something that is, is really unheard of, and that is impacting, quite naturally, the financial markets. So you kind of want to be wise about things. Don't necessarily swing yourself out unnecessarily, but by the same token, if you know that you need to get your credit right, then now is the time because there's no time like the present. We certainly wouldn't wait. And of course you can't go back. So what are you going to do now? That being said, just a couple of quick, quick things. I know a lot of people are looking for homes and you know, they have some recent blurbs, let's call them on their credit reports. Well, from loan officers mouths, you want to make sure that the last 24 months of your credit file are virtually clean. Okay. So you want to make sure that you don't have a whole lot going on as far as late payments, etc. And I'll tell you something even more, um, any late payment really needs to be aged about a year. And, and what I mean by that is if it's within the year, underwriters are more than likely going to deny you or your application for a mortgage. That being said, on top of that, you also want to make sure that the last 24 months of your credit file are pretty clean. Okay. And if you have items that are in collections, so you don't want to just go ahead and just start making deals with collections agencies. I'm, I'm not saying that. And I want to make sure that I'm also saying though, that if you can make a deal and get something off of your record, you want to do so. I, I guess what I should say is don't haphazardly do this because you, there are several things that you want to look at. Is a particular collection agency allowed to legally collect in your state? Right? Because you may f very well owe something and then that entity does not have the right to collect from you in your state. Um, there also may be things as far as, uh, you know, statute of limitations, right? Now, if something is about to run out of time, then you might want to see if you can hold off on that, right? But if you have something that is newer and you know that you're especially trying to get a home, then it may be worth your while to see if, especially if it's not a huge amount, to see if you can pay it off or to see if you can make payment arrangements, including even a settlement for a lower price. However,
again, haphazardly doing this is not going to be the thing to do because you want to make sure that whatever agreement you come to, they will also tack on a deletion. I, so when you are making these agreements, see if you can get them to do, you know, a sort of pay for deletion. So you agree to pay and they agree to delete the, the comment or the negative standing from your credit report. Um, there are some items on your credit report that you can have the wording changed so that a particular account is no longer late, but it is paid as agreed, never late. But if you have a collection, the very nature of a collection account is that at some point it was late to the degree that the original creditor assumed that they were not going to you know, get paid easily. So they send it over to a collection agency. And now there's also a, a whole world of information on, on that and then when you know it goes to a charge off and things like that but i don't want to get too far into this because what what you will notice is that in credit and credit repair etc way leads on to way <laughs> as as they say um one thing is going to definitely link in to something else and, and before you know it you're lost in this overwhelming world of now you don't know where you started and you don't know what's being talked about. So let's just kind of stick with what we initially wanted to talk about. Like if, if you're buying a home, things that you need to do, but it is important if you're buying a home, one way of cleaning up, you know, especially the last 24 months is to, if you have collections, try to take care of those. But again, you want to do that very carefully which means that you, it's not that you're necessarily going to talk to every entity that calls your home. They, they still have certain requirements, you know, a certain amount of seconds that they have to declare that they are a debt collection entity. They're not allowed to call you at certain times of the day or night. They're not allowed to call, you know, your workplace. Um, there's certain things that you just need to know. And sometimes it's worth running it through a consumer protection attorney to see whether or not there were any violations, okay? Because if there were, then that could actually benefit you. I'm not gonna go into any more detail about that because again, I don't want to swing this out too far. But my thing would be, do what you can do. And if they are offering you a settlement and they will also delete that negative standing, now you, you wanna be careful because make sure, you know, with, with a collection account, you know, Deleting the account is a good thing. But if you have an account that could be considered positive, so let's say, for example, you, you have a car loan and you have this negative standing on it. Maybe the car loan is closed now, you've, you've paid it off, but there's one or two months where you were late and you want to get those off of there. And the company says, okay, we will change that for you know, whatever 
agreement you all come to. We'll change that to paid as agreed, never late. That's perfect. But what if they delete the entire account? See, that is not necessarily what you want because that can actually lower your credit score because you're going to lose the, the, the credit history. You're going to lose that age of the account. You're going to lose uh, the payment history, et cetera. And even if you just had a couple of blurbs, you know, you, you still may have had some times when things were really, really good. So you want to make sure that you are being very, very careful and knowing what you want them to do as far as deletions. There is a difference between deleting and or changing and or updating the comments or how the um, account is, is, is sort of categorized. There's a difference between that and the account being completely removed. Again, with a collection account, there's really no way for it to be positive. So if it's, if it's in collections, you just kind of want that to be deleted, period. Um, but if it is another type of account, you want to see if you can do everything you can to keep that account on your credit report, just change how it is viewed. Okay. And so I want that to kind of sit in your spirit, uh, so to speak. Let that sit right here because I know that someone listening is trying to get a home. You kind of don't know where to start and you, you know that you need to work on your credit. Now, what I will say is this, you know, we, we are definitely registered in the state of New Jersey and, um, you know, we've gone through the bonding and all that in Pennsylvania. We, we go through whatever's required. And the reason why I put it that way is because there's some states that don't require you to be bonded and there's some states that, that do. Um, so we, we do those things that a state requires. And, you know, you, if you're in those particular states, we can assist you. If you are not, though, it's not that we'll turn you away. But, you know, we have to be careful legally, right? And so either A, we can sort of just give you a quick word of how to handle something, or we may be able to hook you up with a decent and reputable company in your area. And, and that's great. That's what's great about having a network of credit repair companies. But again, they have to be good ones and they have to operate legally because we don't want to participate in any other activity. That being said, I, I promised you that I am not going to, that I was not going to keep this uh, segment too long. And I'm going to keep to my promise. I was probably too long already, but I'm going to keep to my promise. So without further um, comments about any other thing, I am going to just say, have a nice rest of the day and we will see you again, hopefully next week. God bless. We can all get through these times, but remember, plan to vote. Thank you.